Ora and welcome to another edition of the GeoDorable podcast with your hosts Chris Morris and Mark Thompson. For more information on this episode, visit the GeoDorable page on Facebook. Hello, Chris. Hello, uh, Mr. Thompson. How are you? I'm good. Hello, listeners. Uh, long time no here. We'll yes. We should apologise. Yes, it's, well, I think you should apologise more than me. Well, you know, life life is yeah difficult at the moment, and uh, you know, because you live in such adverse conditions. No, no, yeah, just you know, work, COVID, all that kind of stuff. It just you know, yeah, all that lack of travel and being stuck at home just it hasn't given you any time. No, it hasn't. There's there's many many things I have to do with my life instead. Including, you know, well, I, I want to go, uh, including having a nice little family break, but, or, you know, sorry, a break with the family. Um, but, you know, there, there's so many of our listeners worldwide who are uh, doing far less well than we are due to COVID that um, feel a little guilty about uh, old New Zealand, you know, and how um, relatively, well, relatively easy we've got it, to be honest. <laughs> well, it does help that we're an island or islands in the back of nowhere. With only five million people, yeah, yeah over, m- m- much easier to manage over a, a geographical area that's bigger than the whole of the UK. Yeah, uh, but anyway, you know, <laughs> not to gloat. Like, <laughs> it's not. It's not gloating. Like you know, my my uh, you know parents are in the UK, and I know how much they're not enjoying things at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we had the the glimmers of hope for the well, the summer in the northern hemisphere, and. Uh, yeah, it's going for the dark of winter now. And uh, if you're out by Christmas, good luck, you know. it's. Um... Yeah, yeah, I mean, I was thinking, that, I mean, the death rate from this is still, you know, it's much higher than the flu. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, we probably shouldn't be too optimistic that it will just pass. No. Um, but it is here for good because it's just going to, you know, mutate. I mean, we haven't had COVID-20 yet. I mean, just to be a real downer. We're still on COVID-19. Yeah, I guess that's true. Does it move with the years? Well, isn't that why it's called COVID-19? I guess it is. Because it was discovered in COVID-19. 2019. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, watch out for 2021. <laughs> COVID-20 hits. So this is a podcast of doom and gloom. Yeah, welcome, everyone. Sit back, <laughs> relax, strap in. Yeah, yeah, let's have a disclaimer before, uh, I don't know. Things I think our disclaimer worse. should be uh, the podcast might get more cheery. Uh, yes. And if it doesn't, that's... Uh, well, yeah, we're, yeah. we're sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we are trying. Uh, but yeah, and any other opinions and uh, set pieces, pieces said on this uh, podcast are ours only and don't relate to anyone we work with, work for, or the uh, World Health Organization or any government of, uh, of this world who is currently battling... Battling COVID, but also battling the naysayers. But we've got to have naysayers in, in this world, Chris. Well, it makes it more fun, doesn't it? Well, yeah, there's always been naysayers all the way through. So it makes uh, us different from the animals. Yeah, it, I mean, is that the end of the disclaimer? I, mean, I just want to be sure. It seemed to roll on a little bit there. I don't know. If, is this still part have, of it? I may have mixed uh, disclaimer into uh, editorial comment. Okay. Uh, we should shout out as well to our, uh, our good American cousins who are, um, they've got this uh, little election coming up shortly. Yeah, I don't think it's going to change much. Surely not, no, no. No, I mean, I think I think the angst and annoyance is just going to either stay on the same foot or switch to the other one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, damned if you do and damned if you don't. Uh, make good choices, people. I, is there one? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But make the good one. And I don't, you know, <laughs> there's got to be a good choice. Yes. Yes, there does. Um, but on to Cherry and use uh, Chris. How's the dog? I just had to put the dog out because the dog's really annoyed with me that I haven't taken it for a third walk of the day. Um, well, it's understandable. Well, yeah. You do, you do need to start bringing it into the office. I do, actually. I, I was planning. I might do it this Friday. It's all about, you know, I need a car. Uh, it won't stay on my uh, motor scooter going into the office. Can't you strip yeah. on a crate? Like, um, 
and let it sit in there, put some goggles on it. It'd have to be a really big. If I got a sidecar, that would work, but um, <laughs> mm, maybe this Friday. I'm not quite sure how he's going to react, though. I don't. I don't think he's going to sit there quietly under my desk, which is really what you want from an office dog. No, you might be a little bit young for that, but I don't think yeah. other people will complain. Yeah. Um, we shall see. <laughs> How's things yeah. with you? Um, you know. Well, I'm re- I'm recovering, Chris. Uh, not you had a hideous mountain biking accident, didn't you? It wasn't really hideous in that you know there was nothing bloodied or broken. Um, I just developed bursitis. Um, and you know, going on to the medical part of the program, the bursa is a fluid sac in in your joints, the shoulder and knee bursas. Um, and normally they're about a millimeter thick, mm-hmm. and they just help everything you know slide around in those complex joints. Um, and I came off um, doing something I've done a thousand times before, uh, but I hadn't hit a tree before. <laughs> <laughs> so I hit the tree, then hit the ground, and. Um, was in a lot of pain and my bursa swelled from one millimeter to 10 millimeters ouch uh, which basically meant i could move it in like one direction but it turned into turned my right arm into like a t-rex arm so i could only keep my elbow by my side and sort of um hmm. yeah reach for stuff so that was six weeks ago i think or five weeks ago and it's coming right now i still can't lift my arm above my head if i go out sideways um but yeah you know, it doesn't hurt all the time, so that's that's a positive. <laughs> uh, you see, I'm not the only. You know, it it would have uh, prevented you from doing this podcast as well, Mark, because you know. Um, uh, no, no, that was the most disappointing thing of it that I could still actually operate a keyboard. I thought, ah, oh, because it was a really busy week at work, and I thought, ah, oh, I can't type. But it turns out I could. Oh well, I guess yeah, with a T Rex arm, you know, you yeah. just get over the keyboard, I guess. Yes, and that was all fine. <laughs> Just a lot of pain. I love how our listeners, I mean, you know, we talk about geospatial stuff. I mean, we should mention it. We haven't done so far. But we talk about geospatial and all that Everybody kind of stuff. This is a I think most podcast. of our listeners just come here to, to hear us yeah. natter about stuff. Well, yeah, we are seven and a half minutes in and we haven't even, well, that's the first time we've mentioned the word geo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so perhaps if you're new to this podcast, yeah, keep listening. Um, it, it gets, I wouldn't say more interesting, but gets more uh, topical. What's the word? Let's hope so. <laughs> Otherwise, we we you know we you know um, we need to change the name of the podcast. Yeah, yeah Chris and Mark just talk about themselves. Hmm. Uh, no, we're not. That's another podcast that we won't have time to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a gr- this is a great news packed podcast, um, and we're even getting into the uh, social aspects of um of urban life in our topic of the week it, it is an interesting isn't it? I, th- I think we've commented uh, to ourselves uh, when prepping for this podcast that that the quality of news is just not quite what it was is it i don't i don't know if it's covid related maybe it is you know people are you know other things but we used to get some really awesome stories and as it is we've got some awesome stories tonight but yeah. um you have to dig a lot harder to find those awesome stories and and takes longer i mean we it's one of the reasons uh like, oh that's what's the news this week and it's like oh one story may make it to the um draft phase of the pro- of the podcast and then be cut mm. um and i what sort of stories are we looking for chris what makes it interesting um generally and i, and I think we've moved on the uh what's new in so and so release uh we're bored by that now oh we're just, yes we're just bored absolutely those yep. you know nope. those big companies that are based in the california well just um, in general like it's you know yeah um who cares I, I think what we have seen during covid is a increase in uh frequency of uh blog or whatever it is post but not necessarily an increase in quality yeah it does um there's a simpsons episode with Malibu, Malibu Barbie, where um, she gets a new hat. Okay. And it does feel like that. Uh, if if you know the reference, you'll you'll think that's hilarious. But a lot of new new releases are, you know, here's here's the new version, and it now has a pink hat. Oh, I see. I'm laughing on the inside, Mark. Uh, I'm I'm sure you are. Mm. Um, well, with that with that big build up to these news testic stories, Chris, shall we get on with it? I think we should because we're now 10 minutes in. 
<laughs> okay. Spatial news. Right, that was the wrong beard, but that'll do. You know. Well, I mean, they've got the, got the view. I don't think people point. want to uh, hear us witter on anymore. Anyway, Mark, there is an election, as we've uh, mentioned. Ooh, ooh, whereabouts? Well, in, in the US of A. In but the there's been an election here, Mark. Has it? Uh, um, I didn't notice. Well, I'm sure many of our listeners will be aware that New Zealand is on the far side of the world. But we punch well above our weight when it comes to numerous things. Uh, rugby, um, yachting. Giant statues of fruit or Fruit, animals. yeah, yeah. Uh, that's Cromwell, I believe. Um, Depends what you want. There's, you know. The Aokuni carrot, that's true. Carrot. Yeah. It's the big sheep. It's the big gumboot, which is a Wellington or a... What do you call them in America? Not American, don't know. I know. Galosh. No, that's English as well. Anywho, (laughs) um, so New Zealand punch is well above its weight in many, many things. Uh, And in politics, it certainly packs, uh, packs a punch, doesn't it? No. No, you're right, it doesn't. But we have had an election here, and for those people who have uh, who have watched it on the news, seen it on the news, um, we are, well, we're, we're being led by our previous party, I guess, the, the Labour Party of New Zealand, with the, um, the wonderful Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, who many people would have heard of by now because, um, you know, because of COVID. <laughs> because she single-handedly defeated COVID? Yeah, pretty much. Anywho, uh, at election time, you tend to get election maps. It, it's just the yeah. way of the world. You know, they go hand in hand. They're like, you know, mac and cheese, election and maps. Um, each one is trying to outdo the other map in terms of understanding. So you can, you know, at a glance, understand uh, what the heck's happened in your constituency. Yes, um, and a lot of them feel a little bit, I won't say fake news, it's disingenuous, but, you know, they're a little bit hyped up. Well, it's how how to lie with maps, or at least how to make yeah. your map more interesting. Yeah, but we found a better one, but of course it's after the election, so it's actually accurate. Yeah, well, what I like about this one, and this is uh, this has been done by, um, I think it's the New, uh, the New Zealand Herald, uh, yes. which is... New Zealand has two newspapers, or two news sources. Imagine well, that. Two major through. news sources. Yeah, They're pretty yeah. Uh, pretty similar. Um, and this is done by the New Zealand New Zealand Herald New Zealand New Zealand. Zealand. Yeah, sorry. Got some flush on chops. Yeah, uh, New Zealand Herald's interactive mapping team. Well, they you know, um, and what they've done is they've uh, they've done away with geography in a in a way. Kind of. What? Well, then why are they on this podcast? Well, they've replaced, you know, geography with with regular sized squares <laughs> that are roughly placed where the constituency is placed. And what yes. it means is and that roughly um, in the shape of New Zealand. Yeah, well, very roughly. The South Island looks. Um, yeah, the North Island's not great either. Do we like this map or not? Is it a map, or is it? I I, I kind of do. It's it's a nice infographic. Um, and maps are always about the information present presented in them, and yeah, it it basically resembles the shape of New Zealand, but kind of doesn't. But you can easily navigate your way around it to find out what's happening. And yeah, I would say it's uh, on the whole, it's pretty easy to understand as long as you know your electorate. Yeah. What's going to be interesting with the other big election um, that's uh, that's uh, cropping up soon is how that's represented because we saw some great maps. Um, gosh, we saw some great maps. What four years ago? Yep. Were we doing this podcast four years ago? Yes. Flipping, eh? I think. Yeah, well, it feels like it. I seem I seem to remember them. <laughs> We're very bad at this. Is you know, surprising why our wives are still with us. We're very bad at remembering dates and anniversaries. We are so anyway. How to win an election? Um, it's worth having a, a look at the map. It's uh, on our uh, on our website and elsewhere. Um, and uh, we'd love to hear what you think. Yeah, and if, and come next podcast, we'll have some other more North American maps, no doubt. That's not working. Spatial news.
We're oh, a little sorry. bit rusty, listeners. A little bit rusty. All right. Go on then. What? Talk about this one. Oh, this on. one. Brilliant. This is this is an exciting one. Okay. This, this is possibly the most exciting news we've got this podcast. Um, I, now, we all love the Opal, Open Geospatial Consortium. Making location count, just so I drop that in there. Yeah. Well, yes and no. I think um, one of the one of the comments about the OGC is they're quite resistant to um, private companies pushing pushing standards onto them. Indeed, I, I know. remember that whole uh, shapefile and file geodatabase debacle. <laughs> yeah, um, but even just Esri REST um, mm. API, you know that they've been trying to push that for ages and i don't i think they've given up haven't they i think so um so here's a new contender chris yeah the indoor mapping data format the imdf not to be confused with the imdb um is being seeking adoption as a community standard and wasn't the imdf uh the organization that um tom cruise worked for that's the ooh. Mission Impossible. Yeah. I wanted to say IMF, but that's International Monetary Fund. Oh, quick, man, man going to have to Google on podcast. Hmm. Okay. Um, you Google, I'll, I'll talk. Okay, keep talking. Um, so IMDF is actually um, Apple standard. And Apple have pushed this um, to the OGC. But in bigger news and in the spirit of working together, it's actually supported by Apple. Autodesk, Esri, Google, the NYC Department of Information Technology and Communications, or the DOIT, uh, Ordnance Survey, and Safe Software. So it's actually quite a conglomerate of um, big corporates pushing for this. Um, and it, I've, I actually think it'd be a good thing. It'd open it up, it'd get it, um, get it more common, because currently the internal interior mapping is kind of, um, and it's kind of, I suppose standardless would be one way of putting it. It's a bit of uh, the Wild West, you know, out there. Yeah, and, and real, you know, there's news stories about it all the time. Yeah. Not necessarily interesting ones, but there are news stories about it all the time. Uh, um, for those listeners who are shouting at the uh, the podcast at the moment, it was the Impossible Mission Force, the IMF. Oh, it is the IMF. Mm. The International Monetary Fund. Mm. <laughs> well, I'm glad we cleared that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's exciting. So, I don't know if you're part of the OGC or interested in following that. Know that they'll be posting some more stuff on their website. Well, I think indoors is kind of the. Uh, ironically, it's 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 kind of like you know, the next big thing. Yes. You know, um, we've mapped outdoors. Now we're going to map indoors. Yeah, I mean, and, and we haven't actually mapped outdoors that well. When you think about it, like the standards aren't aren't brilliant. Um, yeah. So it'd be good if we all could just get along and agree a standard. <laughs> well, I always say the nice thing about standards is there uh, there's so many to choose from. <laughs> you can always just create your own. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, what are we saying? We're going to say uh, the IMDF coming to a device near you at some point. Um, there's all actually there's a whole bunch of tools, aren't there? There's a whole toolkit that you can use to yep. kind of do your stuff with it, I guess. Yeah. Um, Sandbox indoor survey app, Apple MapKit and MapKit JS cross-platform rendering of the uh, IMDF. So yeah, uh, a bunch of tools there you can um, you can get into. Yes, and there's a joke there, Chris, about you know not destructing after we've uh, used it as well. Is there? Like the Tom Cruise IMF. Oh, this podcast will self-destruct uh, after you've listened to it, um, <laughs> if you get that far. Next story, Mark. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. Feel that energy. Spatial news. Right, speaking of indoor mapping, Chris. Now, we all know about the Berlin... Brandenburg Airport. Other pronunciations are, are available. Uh, I believe it only took fourteen years to build, Mark. Yes, and I think that's only nine years over overdue, isn't it? The thing I find very weird about this is that um, one, it's in Germany. Where, where else would you expect the Berlin Brandenburg Airport to be, Chris? 
No, no, Germany. That's not, not my, my, it's not my surprise. Are you in the overrun? Yes. I mean, Germany's known for their efficiency. You know, um, known for, well, you know, German efficiency. That That's kind of how it works. You go, you go BMW, you know, Mercedes, beautiful, efficient technology, you know, cars. 14 years to build. What were they doing? Well, considering... Isn't it China builds 3,000 kilometers of road a year? Um, oh, thank you very much. Oh, it is a heap. That's at New Zealand, uh, Cape Ranger to Bluff in New Zealand, it's like 700k. Hmm. Yeah. But China's a lot bigger. Anyway, <laughs> not the anyway, point. Uh, maybe, maybe the Germans have just got on a little bit slack or something. Um, but anyway, we're not, we're not questioning why it took so long to build. Uh, what we are excited about is the 3D map of the airport. And uh, their newspaper, Chris, how do you pronounce that? Oh, I don't. Take a Spiegel? Uh, der Das Spiegel, isn't it? Der, der, ooh. Anyway, it's a newspaper. <laughs> That's why people come to this podcast. It, it's, it's the GIS and geospatial news, and it's the poor pronunciation. Yeah. Do you so know what? But do you know what other people do? Like the BBC. Do you know what they do? They've got like a department that's dedicated to the pronunciation of words. I say department. It's probably like you know, a couple of guys in a shed. But they have a department about <laughs> how to pronounce. We don't have that. No, that's what makes us more real. Yeah, we're, we're like the People's Podcast, whereas the BBC has just got you know high professional standards. Yes. Hmm. Uh, anyway, so they've created a, a highly, highly, highly accurate model of the airport. And so you can go fly through it. You can go down corridors and all this other exciting sort of stuff. And it is rendered really well. Yeah, it'd be nice to know what um, tool they're using. But if you can imagine uh, an Esri story map, um, but slightly, I don't know, faster. I don't know. You're faster, more accurate? Well, I don't know as about in, accurate, but... Well, as in more clarity in the pictures. The pictures are nice, but that's just the data. Anyway, if you can imagine a, a kind of an Esri story map-esque um, uh, map where you uh, you basically move through the airport and uh, it explains why it took 14 years and all the issues they had. Um, yeah. It's awesome. It is. Um, and so, yeah, if you like a good bit of 3D, like we do, and you got some time, go, we'll put the link up. It's certainly a, a really good way of explaining why it's taken 14 years in the context of the airport. You know? Maybe it was the 3D map. Well, yeah, that's probably the thing that's taken so long. <laughs> um, yeah, right, and we'll quickly... Spatial news. Spatial news on to the next one. Now, the good people at the New York Times, Chris, have also gone all 3D, and we're talking 3D journalism. Yeah, it's a really interesting article. Uh, is this kind of, you know, the future face of journalism? Because uh, as we know, uh, writing words is, is no longer enough. <laughs> no, no, you need pictures, and it turns out you need 3D pictures. Now, Chris, if, 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 if your wife is my, like my wife and glad just to get rid of you out of the house for a few hours... Mm -hmm. um, but also doesn't understand a thing about what you do. Uh, yeah, yeah, yep. Then um, the New York Times have put on a really good article about how 3D imagery is captured. Well, 3D imagery, 3D rendering, whatever you call it. Um, and they've got, look, this is the camera, multiple camera angles and um, what you call that sort of thing. Camera angles. Um, and they're put in an apartment, which is uh, yeah, fantastic. Um, but then they also go to Haiti. Yep. And the quality of the um, rendering is really strong. It is, isn't it? It's amazing. It um, so th this was post um, the, oh, was it hurricane, um, tropical storm that passed through yeah. uh, a few years ago? Yeah. Um, so it's... I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of hard to describe. Um, but yeah, if 
if you're trying to explain to your colleagues how uh, how do 3D capture works or photogrammetry and how it's all stitched together, the New York Times have done a great article on it. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, well, it, it, it's 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 the kind of thing that would be handy for because we're we're coming up to. Um, Oh, what is it? Uh, World GIS Day, I think, on the was it 18th of November. Yeah, we are. Yeah, great thing to kind of, you know, um, have a look at and uh, uh, feel, you know, use it to tell your story. Yeah, and uh, get some people having some fun. Right, let's mm. move on. Spatial news. And then speaking of great 3D data, Chris, we all like a bit of LiDAR. Oh, we do. Absolutely in love with the stuff at the moment. <laughs> um, actually, I presented the other week to a uh, analytics group. Um, and I said, oh, you know, and here we've got some LiDAR. And someone said, isn't that lots of, you know, millions of points? And I said, yes, yes, millions of millions of points. It's it's quite a job to process. Um, but Leica have made that easier for you, Chris. Well, what they've done is uh, they've built, I think it's it's one of the first combining LiDAR and uh, imagery, uh, imagery uh, into a single device. Yeah, so this has been done before with uh, multiple devices. Yep. But this is the one unit that does everything. So it LiDARs and takes pictures all at the same time. Yes, but it's got two cameras, Chris. Not just one, two. Two. two RGB and an NIR near-infrared. Awesome. Um, so you can get your... You know your point in space, and you can know what color it is. Which you know, uh, yeah, as you say, I think at the moment it's a you can get similar results, but with multiple, you'd need multiple devices as opposed to the single one that they're suggesting here. Yeah, and there must be some there must be some kind of error with that. It might be quite small. Yeah, but um, but it looks pretty. I mean, you know, this is the we've been talking a lot about three D. You know, um. You just have the imagery by itself. Yeah, hey, it's fantastic. It looks really good. But you add in the uh, the um, lidar, and suddenly that image becomes something you can uh, measure off, that you can interact with, that you can, um, you know. Uh, well, it's it's one of these things. Is with with COVID at the moment, and how we're not supposed to go outside, and you know, all that kind of stuff. It, it's almost the you can start doing your work off lidar imagery and uh, yeah, aerial imagery. Oh, sorry. Um, uh, photogrammetry, you know, kind of from the from the from the freedom of your own desk. Yeah, and almost more useful because we've got so much photogrammetry around, uh, not aerial imagery around at the moment, and you know satellites are coming through. Um, this meaning you're only flying once, and you're mm -hmm. getting both types of data. Mm -hmm. Seems like a a double win. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I know maybe Leica will send us one. Yeah, like, like uh, DJI. I've sent <laughs> some drones. Yeah. Have they sent you drones? No. No, neither. Spatial news. Uh, once upon a time, Chris, Google Maps oh. had a Wikipedia layer. <laughs> but they got rid of it. Um, and <laughs> Like the other Google thing we were going to do, but we got rid of because we figured Google would get rid of it anyway. Yeah. So um, I don't know about you, Mark, or, or our listeners, but um, on the odd evening, I get lost in the world of Wikipedia and you jump from story to story. And before you know it, you've you've read articles about people you've never met or things you've never. Or, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then things. can't retain any of the information. Oh, yeah. But that's. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this is uh, Wikimap. Wikimap. Which, as its name would suggest, is a map of every article that uh, has been geolocated. Yeah, so someone's geotagged Wikipedia, uh, which yep. is pretty cool. Pretty straightforward now with um, some great um, gazette... How do you say it? Gazetteers? Gazetteers? Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, so now you have a Wikimap and um, you can get lost in it. You do. And, uh, you know, a lot of it, as you might expect, is about particular towns but then every so often you you know you you get lost into uh yeah you know interesting stories that just happen to have uh, a location actually i've just thought of an improvement chris oh yeah 
you it's kind of like um geoguessr oh yeah but you could geoguess um wikipedia so it pops up with the article and you've got to kind of guess where it is i don't know or vice versa oh yeah no doubt one of our great listeners will make that into an app possibly <laughs> but yeah uh, uh, it's just another way to explore you know the wonder that is wikipedia yes um i've actually coined a phrase called wikimapia okay um why wouldn't you yeah uh, but yeah if you're uh, you know after listening to this podcast looking for other things to do have a look at Wikimapia. Spatial news. And this one, Chris, this is more exciting than we're, we're sounding. <laughs> uh, so I'm a big fan of human movement data. Which is um, scary because you really value your privacy. Well, not really. <laughs> you stop taping up your webcam. Well, I think somebody would be very bored if they, um, you know, <clears throat> if they really did want to, uh, you know, know more about me, they'd, they'd be bored very quickly. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say if that's true or not, but that also applies whether I'm stalking you or not. Hmm. Yeah, true. Anyway, so uh, human movement data, awesome stuff, loads of... Uh, what what is it? What is human movement data? It's different from human human trafficking. Oh, totally. <clears throat> okay, so there's kind of broadly two types of human movement data. There is human movement data, which is basically humans being tracked via the use of apps on their phone. So, you know, if you're using, let's just say, you know, if you're using Facebook or Twitter or, you know, any number of, I think there's about, you know, 12 or you know, 2,500 odd apps um, and you haven't turned off the track location bit, then they can track you via your phone. And um, they send that information back and uh, a bunch of companies kind of aggregate it and create um, data sets from it. So, you know, really useful if you want to understand how people move through a city or move through, a, a you know, along a particular street or whatever it is. Um, the other, the other one that, you, you know, some carriers get involved as well. Obviously, if you're... You know, a, a mobile phone carrier, you know the location of phones and how they're connected to your network. Um, and some choose to aggregate that information and um, and provide that to other parties as well. So you kind of, with the, with the app data, um, your location is recorded while you're using an app and then it's not. With um, carrier data, then you tend to have a better understanding of um, the user and that carrier, but that carrier only has X percentage of the population, for example. So they both have their pros and cons. <laughs> yes. And then what's Mapbox done? Well, Mapbox has taken um, all the location data of users who have been using Mapbox apps. Yep. Uh, and then they have aggregated that data into, I think it is, is it 100 meter squares? Yeah, 100 meter squares, which is brilliant. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, done some aggregation. You can't get, you know, it's just each square and the number of uh, users in that square at, at a at particular. Is it, yeah, they broke it down into, um, is it hour blocks? I think it is, and yeah. um, they're providing that data um, for you to download and see what it looks like. Yeah, um, and this is this is movement data made easy. You yeah. and I have both played with movement data, and it is, you know, we're talking LiDAR has big points, but so does movement data. Yep. Just so massive. So for, uh, so, you know, a couple of exciting things here. That one, Mapbox has done the hard work and have uh, broken it down for you already, so you don't have to. Yep. Which is brilliant. And the second one is it is free. It costs nothing. Um, which is excellent. Of course, it may it's only beneficial because it's in uh, America, uh, UK, and Germany. Is that right? Mm. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. a bit, 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 bit of. Um... Bit of Canadian. Oh, what is it? US, UK, Germany, France, Canada, Australia, India, Japan. Oh no, that's that's 
that's what they have available what they've given out free is only oh yeah 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 um yeah but if you ever wanted to play with this stuff it just gives you insights and it's not just for marketing and advertising if you're trying to understand you know where people are going how many people are commuting down places how busy things are it's um yeah really really cool stuff at the moment it's really interesting particularly with covid you can you know um clearly see how movement uh has uh, stopped and slowed down uh, during lockdowns <laughs> yeah actually maybe if you're planning to put a shop somewhere don't use this year's data <laughs> that's going to be so interesting uh for all kinds of organizations who you know uh, i think about you know google traffic data for example um yeah what do they do to uh yeah well actually they don't do, do historic information but those organizations well, that do provide historic traffic information what do you do you know, COVID? Yeah, yeah i suppose i mean and how does do you just ignore this year as an anomaly or have people's patterns changed for good no so Good question, man. We should do that as topic of the week sometime. We probably should. Spatial news. Oh, that is the news, Chris. That is, but thanks for the last, you know. Yeah, well, I don't know. Hmm? Push the button. Got so many buttons. Um, we're going to do topic of the week, Chris. We are. That was good news. What was your highlight? Oh, well, I'm, I'm a human movement data kind of person. Okay. Yep. I kind of like the basics of the um, New York Times. How to do photogrammetry? Yeah, no, that's that's a, that's one of those articles that you kind of you know you need to read on your tablet in bed, kind of you know. <laughs> so you nudge your wife, hey, look at this. She goes, what? Leave me alone. Last time you nudged me, look what happened. <laughs> you, you point out twins is her fault, not yours. Yep. Every time, and that's a winner, I bet. Oh yeah, yeah, works works every time. <laughs> Right. Topic of the week. Topic of the week, Chris. Now, we've mentioned COVID quite a lot. I can't work out why. Ah, it's topical. <laughs> ah, here a week, try the veal. Um, and one of the things that have re-emerged under COVID is the, let's call it Minute City. Shall we? Or... You may have heard it as the 15-minute city or the 20-minute city. Not the minute city. <laughs> English, what a great language. Yep. Um, yeah, and it's that we're all stuck at home anyway. Um, so what about if we actually could get everything we needed within 15 minutes or 20 minutes, depending on which branding you want? And how you want to travel. Yeah. Yeah, what, what, what if you could do that, Chris? Um, and this is... Uh, it's been kicking around for I think twenty plus years. Yeah, but is is as you said, there's a real resurgence uh, um, at the moment about yeah the fifteen minute city, the twenty minute city. But basically, how do you uh, how do you create communities which were localized enough so that pretty much everything you need was in a fifteen or twenty minute walk? And when we say everything you need, so that's things like open space, it's access to medical facilities, it's abs- you know, access to um, food, food, Transit. supermarkets, yeah, um, culture, education. <laughs> culture is an interesting one, which we'll talk about in a sec. But <laughs> um, yeah, leisure is—is is there a park? Is there a swimming pool? Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and the, and the quality of it, I think. Yeah, um, and there's lots of. Um, in our research for my research for this, I was actually quite astounded, Chris, how many 15-minute, 20-minute cities there already are. Um, how many are there? Wow. In my research, I found New York as one. Um, obviously, Singapore. Um, it, there's, there's just a bunch of them that are actually quite good, but could be better, I think, would be one of the, one of the big things. Because um, the maps we've been looking at don't really measure the quality of leisure or culture yeah or so originally many 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 moons ago i uh you know i, I trained as a town planner you did before you got into I, life of crime yeah uh, and um you know back then there was an awful lot of uh discussion about out of town shopping malls or shopping centers yes and how they were killing the high streets and they were killing local shops 
And, and I think this is this is now what you're seeing is this kind of uh, return to the 15 minute city because, yeah, getting people to get in their cars and drives across town to get to the supermarket or, or to get to the mall um, is no longer sustainable. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't hold up green credentials particularly well. Uh, and, um, you know, imagine being able to, you know, find what you need within, you know, a 15 minute walk for your, you know, well, I, of I, home. I kind of just, I mean, yeah. <laughs> interesting how you measure green credentials because in theory re- re- removing the amount of transportation required by the goods to get them by putting in these mega malls is actually a good thing um, rather than um, having you know a thousand local butchers everywhere you have one butcher and everybody has to drive to the butchers yeah uh, I think you're, you're uh, oh, I think it's you're an right. <laughs> but no the um yeah, and it's a fundamentally geographic problem. It is, and it's being, you know, the 15-minute the, the city, uh, we should say, um, you know, that's been particularly uh, well promoted in um, Paris, um, where if you've ever been to Paris, you'll know how um, difficult it is to move around the city, uh, you know, in cars, partly because the French can't drive. Um, <laughs> Disclaimer. <laughs> I thought you were going to say partly because French cars break down all the time and then they just have to abandon them. Oh, would that be better to say that? <laughs> I don't know. We're anyway. We're offend our French listeners less. Um, oh, they'll, they'll take it. You know, they, they understand how bad they are driving. <laughs> um, no. So, you know, you go to Paris and it's quite there's quite scary, you know, in, in terms of the um, number of vehicles. And, you know, and they've had to, because there are so many um, car drivers in Paris, you know, they've had to do things like, you know, uh, alternate driving days, depending on, um, you know, your your car number plate, I think it was from memory. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so having these you know, 15 minute cities where you can, get what you need by walking is a is a kind of a good thing yeah i think one of the big problems facing is though how do you get those um how do you get those stalls spread around so you don't have to drive like the ikeas and that sort of thing or is um you know is delivery actually solve that problem not actually say no it hasn't but well i think what you should do is set your sights you know um Differently, you shouldn't go to IKEA. You go to the local furniture shop around the corner. Right now, offending the Swedish. Um, no, but you know, <laughs> we're not telling you to boycott IKEA. Definitely not. Uh, but yeah, I think, but that's that's one of the um, you know the challenges of this of this thing is is consumer choice is very limited. I mean, back in you know New Zealand's been a fifteen twenty minute driving place for years um and even auckland was until its traffic got super bad and yeah but you think about it, so, so you know kiwis are in love with their cars and i think partly they're in love with their cars because um it's not a 15 minute or even a 20 minute city uh you know and, and it's supposed to be walking not driving um but, you know, I, uh, I think about, you know, where I live in Auckland and I'm really lucky because, you know, we have the kind of the little village, uh, you know, um, in my case, seven minutes walk away, uh, where you can get most, well, a lot of things. Um, uh, you might be pushing it for furniture unless you're happy to buy from the local uh, op shop or, you know, <laughs> Well, there you go, shop. Chris, though. That, I mean, that's, that's the standard that you're looking at. Well, yeah. Um, but you know, I, I know I can. I can't get. I can get groceries. I probably can't get my uh, my weekly shop. But I can certainly you know, augment it with, you know, um, your basics: your eggs and your milk and all, you know, bread and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I think I think that you know what. Uh, so so in the article that you'll you'll see, you know, that there's been a um, uh, here have done a, a map of the fifteen minutes, a fifteen minute cities and basically you you can type in your address uh, and it will then go and check against a you know point of interest layer to see whether you know you can walk 15 minutes so it does a 15 minute ice cream or, or walk time uh, and then calculates you know what points of interest within that 
that 15 minutes. Uh, and if you've got, you know, they've done groceries, medical, culture, education, transit, and leisure. You know, if you've got at least one of those things within your 15 minutes, then you meet the criteria for your property being a 15 minute um, city, so to speak. Um, unfortunately, it only works in the States at the moment, and it'd be great to see it work, you know, um, yeah, globally. Yeah. But, you know, it kind of gives you a good indication of it's not just about the city. You know, it's about the, the parts of, of the city, you know, not everywhere is uh, is going to be within 15 minutes of um, of groceries, medical and, and so no, forth. I also think that, you know, we know one of the one of the actual challenges is commuting mm-hmm. to work. You know, it's not it's not that it takes me 25 minutes to drive to the supermarket. I'm, I'm kind of prepared for that. Um, but you know, when I'm going to the supermarket, it's my, my own choice of my own time. Yep. Um, what, you know, it's that rush hour between 7am and 9am and three o'clock till six o'clock. Yep. That is actually the problem. And so it'll be interesting to see how COVID changes this. Um, and that people actually be more freer to work from home. Well, I think what COVID will do undoubtedly is increase the demand for the 15-minute city. I don't think anybody's going to go back to normal. I think we've passed normal. You know, I, I think so many people have been affected by COVID that, you know, if they've uh, they've had to work at home or, you know, lots of people I imagine have quite liked the, the, the I'm not saying freedom, but the flexibility that working from home has provided. And I think if you are working from home more frequently, then you are going to want those facilities at home more frequently. Yes. Um, and also the flexibility in your office hours to go and do it. Do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was that was one of the better things about lockdown um, was you, you kind of had some more hours in the day. I think what's also interesting about the 15-minute city and, you know, 15 minutes, whatever, it doesn't really matter, um, is that you know, the ability to calculate whether you, you know, you live in a 15 minute city or not is is now easy. Like if you think, if you know, think about this, this here website, you know, to be able to calculate whether you live in a 15 minute city or not, you have to be able to do an address search, uh, you know, geocode where you are, you have to be able to then do a 15 minute drive time, which means you need a good road network underneath. Um, you need a, you know, a, a points of interest data set that has the uh you know the um groceries medical whatever is you know stored within that um you know so classified within your points of interest and then you need a you know a platform that enables you to then um provide that service you know um to anybody who happens to be on the internet and you you kind of think about all those things you think gosh you couldn't have done that i don't know five years ago yeah, I don't think... I, I mean, I think you could have. I don't think... Um, I mean, you think 10 years ago it was Google Maps, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but, so yeah. And, and that changed consumer-based mapping. So they were slowly getting there. Five years ago, we would have had points of interest. Um, I think the big change that we've happened, and, and I was all, almost going to accuse you, Chris, of advertising here. No. Um, maps, but, you know, it is a slight plug for here. And that this data, and it's further from other suppliers as well, is all available and it's reasonably priced. You know, if you're trying to understand something, um, all this all this data in the platform is available and multiple flavors of it. It's like a 15-minute yep. GIS platform, yep. you know. Well, that's the point, yeah, we, we've talked about it here, but hey, you could do this with pretty much anything, right? You know? Yeah. Um, Mapbox has similar information, uh, you know, Esri and, you know, oh, you name it. Here, you you can probably do this with, or, you know, whichever platform you choose. OpenStreetMap, you could um, leaflet as a mapping engine. Yeah. You know, the, the, the data's out there and it's not very costly. And we're, you know, we've been, we've been picking up... Um, uh, information location intelligence you know last last time I was going to say last week but last podcast we did geospatial 2.0 yep which is all reliant on this amazingly good rich data sets that you have it's geospatial 3.0 now 
Oh, have we changed it again? Some of I don't know, but it, things move so quickly. Who knows? Well, item to two point one. No, no, I'm sure it's I'm sure I'm sure it's still geospatial too. I was being facetious, sorry, mate. Uh, listeners. Um Yeah, certainly I mean, you know, the the availability of data, the ability to, you know, be able to hit SDKs that can do this kind of analysis. Yeah. Um it means you really can start to, you know, answer these kind of questions. It means so much, you know, getting back to planning, urban planning, you know, it means so much you know, that you can answer these questions now. Uh, so I think you know the fifteen-minute city, whether it becomes a reality or not, you now have the ability to ask the question uh, and get an answer, which I think is something that um, yeah, you know. And if you put in the human movement data with it as well, yep, um, it it can help you, and I think can help every aspect of of business. And we're not just talking about local government planning. You know, we're talking about where are my customers. Where, yep. um, where do I have to supply electricity, water? But I think, you know, too. if you're looking for customers, then, you know, the inverse 15-minute city is true, isn't it? Yeah. You know, where do I have to be so I can capture the most residents in that area? So I can be the 15-minute, you know, the, the local grocer or the, uh, you know, if we're in Paris, the boulangerie or... Uh, the what? The boulangerie. Okay, where well you get bolognese. No, boulangerie, that's the... Uh, oh, now you're asking. That's the uh, <laughs> the bakers, isn't it? Boulangerie? You said it. I'm, I'm, my, my French is very lacking. Well, so is mine. Yeah, the boulangerie. I remember. Uh, what's the uh, what's the uh... <laughs> Pan Google's French on, on the podcast. No, no, I was just checking. I was right, and I was. I'm, you know, what's what's um, what's the butcher? Charcuterie is that right? Butcher in French. <laughs> I know there's one listener oh, no? to it's our podcast who'll just be going off at you. Yeah, sorry, I shouldn't. You know, pretend that I can speak any other language other than <laughs> English badly. Yes. Um. Yeah. Um, what's sure. interesting, Chris, as an aside, while you're Googling French words, um, I just put in uh, Esri's headquarters, um, and they are not a 15-minute city. But I'm not surprised they're a campus. No, no, but if you think as a, um, as a major campus, that they, you know, it's, a, it's an aspect of being employed by Esri, is things are within 15 minutes of you, and it turns out they're not. Well, uh, yeah. So that's something for Jack to work on. Well, he's probably listening, so. Probably, but they are a 20 minute city. Um, what I like doing um, is uh, <laughs> is um, searching for Beverly Hills 90210. <laughs> and I believe that is a 15 minute city. Yeah, I believe it is as well. Because I've Googled it as well. You know, it's. it's <laughs> If you don't live in the US, you know, it's uh, it's one of the few things that, um, you know, well, I guess actually people of our generation would remember. Yeah, apparently, isn't it like there's some internet thing where it was the most used, uh, like Beverly Hills was the most, uh, used this platform the most of any other place mm-hmm. in the world and it just turned out that everyone was just putting it in as a zip code. I think the, the address of the White House gets quite a lot of that as well. Four hundred Pennsylvania Avenue. So, getting back to because we were thinking about this. So, um, so tell us why is it on a geospatial podcast? What? The fifteen-minute city. I think that's because everything's you name it. Everything is about geospatial. It is. Anyway, we're talking about culture, right. and you know what? What's your definition of culture? Uh, well, I mean, you always abuse me for my definition, but. What's your definition? <laughs> uh, it's probably slightly rednecked, <laughs> if, I was, if I was to classify it. Nothing like shooting things up and hooning around on uh, in uh, pickups. Well, I was actually thinking it's it's very kind of um, localised. So I think, you know, what might be culture in one place might not be in the culture in another place. You know, for, for New Zealand, I think that, you know, 15-minute city, that 15-minute, it would have to include... Uh, a good coffee shop, right? You know, it, it, we are talking as an Aucklander there, Chris. No, I'm talking as a 
New Zealander kind of. I don't even drink coffee and every New Zealander I know has to have like, you know, be somewhere within 15 minutes most of a of flat you, white. Most of the New Zealanders you know live in big urban centres. That's not true. You're telling me farmers don't like flat whites? Couldn't care this. Yeah, rubbish. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know any farmer. I mean, maybe if they've popped into town, they might have a coffee, you know. But, yeah. Well, okay, I mean, it just goes to prove my point, you know. Um, what what your, your 15 minutes is going to be different for, you know, your well, your target audience. Well, I think this is where it, it kind of, when we talk about it, you've got to say, look, it's, it's an urban thing. And that... Um, well, that's true. It's called 15-minute city and not the 15-minute farm. <laughs> yeah, but even some cities in New Zealand and even cities in the States are perfectly fine without having to walk, and especially if you're in one of those hot places. I mean, you just... You, you think, oh, I'm going to walk 15 minutes, and they're like, you're what? You're nuts. It's 40 degrees, 100 plus um, Fahrenheit. Yeah. You know, you, you are silly for walking these sort of distances and I've done a bit of walking even in um, LA and San Diego and, and what have you and it's it's quite epic walking these places remember Sing- Singapore Chris trying to mm-hmm. walk 15 minutes in Singapore and you're like nope. oh that's unpleasant no, no I mean not not the city or the people or anything no. like just just the humidity and the weather <laughs> yeah um, but I think Singapore actually was a great example of 15 you know 5 minutes 10 minutes walking distance to almost anything yep yeah agreed um but and they've done it there's also lots of green space yeah and it's, it's interesting uh you know in um in the, the here example weirdly enough green space isn't included yes well, leisure is leisure is but it, yeah points of interest rather than um well, and also no measurement of the quality of green space and sure you know, just because it's grass doesn't mean it's actually usable. I think where this where this you know is going to be useful is in terms of um, okay, identifying the areas that you know uh, are fifteen minute is you know great, but it's also that the you know identifying the areas that clearly aren't and therefore are disadvantaged by that. Um, you know, being able to uh, to find the inverse of of the fifteen minute city. You know, are there particular neighbourhoods or the particular areas where yeah, you know, they lack something, which means they're not a fifteen-minute city. Uh, you know, what what would changing that do to the quality of life for those people in those areas? So I think you know, from from that kind of urban planning perspective, I think there's quite a lot of you know um, analytics that can be done to uh, yeah to help change that view. Yeah, yeah. So it's a um, I don't know bigger, brighter world once we get past the um, you know flu of death. Hmm. Well, Mark, we are now at 58 minutes. 10 minutes, of course, was wasted talking about ourselves. Um, but we can't let this go for longer than, you know, 60 minutes. Can we? Oh, we can, but, you know, listeners have got other things to do. <laughs> they do. Um, but we'd be really interested in hearing your views of um, a 50... Uh, yeah, not really, not really your views on 50-minute city, but more about how you think it's changing and how important, more important it is for your home to be located close to things that you could just walk down to. Um, yeah, I mean, where my house is, is almost more fortunate, I think, than yours, Chris, in that we have um, actually within five minutes, we were at a supermarket where a number of, um, what do you call them, specialty Indian food shops and other types of food, a number <laughs> of coffee houses, furniture shops, um and yeah, we uh, actually—it's uh, kind of a pastime—is to walk down and get some milk locally um, from a cow. No, from the you're shop. That rural, Mark. <laughs> I haven't haven't uh, had to collect milk from the milk shed for um, actually a number of years since I was a, a young lad. Okay, before this story goes anywhere. <laughs> 25 seconds left all right right thank you listeners uh we apologize again for uh being so slack and we'll try and do better Mm -hmm. that's all we can do we'll try harder um so yeah great great podcast chris thank you and uh, may i say au revoir (laughs) of course then you could explain what it means 
Um, see you later in front, French. Catch you later. See you.